Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of From, From the Lower, the lower level. level. It's oh like my you're God. my background singer. I love it. Um, a house, a, a, a podcast where each week we bring you the week that was in Housewives history. Um, for those of you who have forgotten, I'm Moshi. And I am the morally corrupt Patrizio. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I was not expecting that. Um, I have been sitting on that since the last podcast. <laughs> you know, and it's some real tea because it's very much true. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I mean, if that's what you want to put out there in the world. Um, but let's kick things off with some Housewives headlines because it's been a juicy week. I know. It's just, it doesn't stop. I thought we would slow down heading into the holidays, but apparently not. <laughs> No, the, these are the, the gifts that we didn't even know that we needed this holiday season. So, I mean, let's kick off with Pastor Holly Hoare himself, Jamal <laughs> Bryant. He has responded to the allegations that our good friend Monique, Time Persons of the Year, um, addressed at the reunion. Um, he brought a binder also, Moshi. I, I've, I've watched so many versions of this video. <laughs> But Jamal Bryant having his own binder, I didn't want to like it, but I love it so much. I think at this point it's a real shame that he actually has never made a reunion episode. Like, I yeah. think he would be very interesting to watch. It's kind of, it's quite clear that I think that he's very much cut from the same cloth as... Giselle and as mm-hmm. some of these women like he has obviously been able to weather scandals before because he's remained successful but it's really interesting to see how he holds his own um like he he's he's prepared to kind of get down and dirty I guess and it's also really interesting to see how his congregation have been supporting him through this but when he brought out that binder and it was just things like he said, like, um, how can you have the receipts if I have the cash register? And then he said, <laughs> let me open the cash register. And there was a line that the people were loving where he also said, I might live in Atlanta, but I am from Baltimore. And, like, I guess that was meant to mean, like, he he can get down. Like, he's he's not afraid to get dirty. He's preparing for war or whatever it is. But, yeah, the whole thing is just wild to me. Um, it is a bit frustrating when a lot of the drama gets taken out of the show and is in all these other places because it really is hard to keep up with everything. Oh, totally. Like, I don't think I watched more than a minute of Jamal Bryant on Instagram. Like, I just, it's too much. And then the tweeting, the Instagrams, who can keep up? I really can't. I really can't. And I suspect by the time, like, this podcast goes to air, there's going to be some more stuff. It's going to be insane. Um, What else is going on? Well, I mean, this has been a developing story um, for a number of weeks now. Tom Girardi and Erica Jane, the divorce, which then has turned into some, like, you know, sketchy legal shit that Tom was allegedly up to, you know, embezzlement. Robin would know about embezzlement, but 
Yes. And now this week, he has claimed mental instability, some health problems as to why he couldn't appear in court. He had a court date. He missed it. I don't know. There's a lot going on there. Um, Moshi, there was a really great LA Times article that you linked me. It went, it, that went in deep, though. That was like a history of the relationship, of his law life. It was a lot. Yeah. I, all of it. <laughs> I was reading that in a the most recent thing that he has testified to is that they have essentially lied about how much money they have or however much money they have is not really what they have. Like he, he's quoted sort of saying at one point they had about 80 to 50 million in cash and like it's all gone. He doesn't have any money. We know that like his law firm is like suing him. We know that Erica is the one who filed for divorce. So she's essentially suing him. Plus there's this embezzlement. There's just like so much going on there. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm really worried that we may not ever actually get to the truth of it because if he is suffering from these health issues and he is vulnerable, he's 81 years old, if he doesn't make it through this, we may never get to the bottom of it. Okay, so we need to start a GoFundMe to have Tom Girardi <laughs> vaccinated for COVID. Like, he needs to be on the priority list because we need answers. We need answers. But the other thing that is really wild for me is Erica is, like, out here just living her life. Like, she is on the gram like it's nobody's business. Like, I look at it and I'm like, what? When I look at her, I'm like, what court case? She's This is not a woman who is having legal dramas. I guess that's the narrative that she she wants to put out there. Well, so do you do you buy into this allegation that Erica has spent all of his money? Um, I, I, the way that that comes across is that like she was just taking his money and just like spending it frivolously. I do believe that they have both invested in the Erica Jane brand, getting her where she needs to be. Like, I, I do think that marketing that money has gone to marketing an image um and marketing a lifestyle because that's that's what she was trying to create like you know she says there's erica girardi and there's erica jane like she's she's always been very specific about that and i do really believe that um she hasn't just spent his money she's spent it on cultivating something that i I do believe they thought would bring them more money. I do think they thought that like spending this money would cover everything, but I guess it just hasn't. They they weren't smart enough about it. I don't know. Mm, overcapitalized. Is that you're the one with the business degree, so I'm 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 gonna yeah, take my lead from you on this. Put in too much money and didn't get the return. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, and it's such a shame because Erica. I think, like, we've spoken about this. Her her time, like, she's not really giving us anything on Housewives anymore. Like, we're all a bit over her. And it's a shame because she really has what it takes to be, like, that bitch on Housewives. Mm-hmm. If she just gave us a little bit more, she would have been reaping the benefits. I mean, who knows what else could have come her way. But at the same time, I guess there's only so much influencer cash and stuff you can you can do. Sorry, Boshi, I'm just getting some breaking news to just come through oh. from Instagram. Oh, please. <laughs> breaking news. 
you feel like that? That's the breaking news. I'm just what? spinning around in my office chair now. I've just turned around to face the face the camera. Um, apparently, Erica, a source close to Erica, says that she filed for divorce from Tom as he has been unfaithful to her during their marriage. Wow. I think they've probably both been unfaithful to each other. I think he's been swinging that D around that law firm. <laughs> Allegedly. Um, look, I, they've, been, they've been together for a really long time, like 20-odd years, right? Like, so, or whatever. I suspect that, you know, at one point they were living the high life, that they both probably had extramarital affairs because I've read that about both of them. But at the end of the day, regardless of that I do think that they had a real love appreciation and understanding for each other like I think they both knew what they wanted to get out of their marriage together and I think they both worked towards living that life so I mean I feel like if Tom was having extramarital affairs I feel like Erica would have known perhaps the whole time and probably didn't really care at the time but now it's probably working in her favour. Well, I don't know. I think I think this is just a bluff. I think it's a red herring. I think mm. we're just trying to draw our attention away from the fact that the divorce has come very, very close to all these legal proceedings. Um, I don't know. Maybe there is some stress there that, like, you know, has impacted their marriage um, from impending lawsuits. But I don't know. I just think, like, it's interesting that all this is coming out now. Um, I don't know, Tom Girardi, sex icon, I think. <laughs> International man of mystery, sex icon. Um, he's basically Austin Powers. Um, I Yeah, I mean, it's you know what's sad is that we're learning more about them now than we did on the show. Yeah. Erica. And that's, that's the real thing here. Like there was a real opportunity to kind of share some of the shit like share some of the bad stuff in your relationship or or not bad, but negative stuff that you've worked through, share that you've had marital problems. The fact that they acted like everything was perfect the whole time is, is why all of this is like so much more insane. They needed mm. to show us a little bit more of the bumps. Um, and I, you know, I would also say that I feel like this should be a warning to one Lisa Rinna who also is cultivating like a very specific idea of her relationship with one Mr. Harry Hamlin, despite the fact that there are so many rumours floating around, it would be nice for them to show us like maybe a little bit more of what they've had to deal with. Because, I mean, these are all women who have to live with powerful men. And that 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 is something that we have to factor into these relationships and the fact that these women are still able to cultivate their own identities and try to do stuff for themselves is so important and that's I mean because that's kind of what's at the heart of being a housewife so you know I I want to know more about that I want to know more about the dark side of being married to these powerful men Moshi I have to say don't talk about the husband <laughs> <laughs> My bad. I'm really don't sorry. Talk I about back. what you I take don't it all want back. out. Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, we're still waiting for Kim to tell us um, oh, the truth about Harry Hamlin and Lisa Rinna. Well, but, uh, you know. 
no, there, there's no truth. There's Kim Kim Richards. God bless her. It was great TV though. Great TV. She has always made great TV. So I'm just gonna light a candle. I feel like after that, I need to light a candle just to clear some of that negative juju I just aspersed from my mouth. Yeah. Um, all right. What else is going on? What else is happening in the headlines? Well, I mean, let's move to Salt Lake City for a second. Oh, okay. Mary M. Cosby. Oh, oh I know what you're going to talk about. Cosby. Yeah, there, there was like audio leaked of her talking about how her congregation is too poor to give money. Um, that she um, only got 14 birthday cards or something and she expected more. She's just she's just so nasty and so rude in that um, audio, that leaked audio. It's insane. I mean, mood though. I personally do count all my birthday cards, so I get where she's coming from. But yes, I mean, I think there's starting to be some questions around how did she get her wealth? Because, um, you know, I feel like... I feel like when you are a preacher or you're in charge of like a church, the money goes to the church usually um, to, you know, help the congregation to, you know, donate to poor people, people in need. Um, Mary is living a very fabulous life with Louis Vuitton wireless earphones. And it's just, I don't know, where is the money coming from? Yeah. It's not adding up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that I was really actually so disappointed to hear that audio because I think Mary is becoming the people's favourite. She's, you know, not what we all expected. Um, and then just to, you know, I mean, it's my own fault. I, you should never idolise any of these women. Not that I was idolising Mary, but I think that we were we were seeing her for being somebody who was broken and vulnerable and we were really starting to be super empathetic. But then to see, hear the way that she's treating people, who is she, who she's supposed to be leading, who she's supposed to be supporting, I mean, it's disgusting. That's It's unforgivable. And... I'm really disappointed that she hasn't said anything about it. Do you think this has come out of the Jen Shark camp? No, no, no. It's come from a Reddit piece. So there's, 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 I like, I've told you that I'm too scared to go into Reddit because once I go in, I don't know if I'm going to come out. So That's true. Reddit, mate, you need to, you need to like fasten yourself and to something so that once you're deep, you can be pulled back out. But there is like a big Reddit piece um, about Miriam Cosby that goes into why she's so shysty, goes into the whole thing about that she, it wasn't really in her um, grandmother's will for her to marry her step-grandfather. Yes, like, there's I heard a that. whole thing. There's a whole thing. And um, it, it's, it's the people that want to expose her. I don't think that this has anything to do with Jen Shah. I don't think Jen really cares that much. I, I do believe that the feud is very surface level on Jen's side and it's mm. just for television. Okay, so... That's my hot take. Ooh, good hot take. We need, like, a sound. I need, like, a... I need a little bell when there's a hot take or something. <laughs> okay, next week. I'm going to buy it. Next week? I don't know if I'm getting you a bell, but okay. Um, wow, I'm going to have to dig into that Reddit piece. I also stay away from Reddit, but this is just very interesting. It is. Um, 
and to stay in Salt Lake City, the Shah Chalet is for sale. Just put it on the market. Really? Yeah. How much? I think it was like three and a half to four million dollars. Oh, I thought it would have been more, but okay. Why is it for sale? What do we think's going on there? Um, I don't know. She has a beautiful home. I do love her home. It's great for parties. It is great for parties. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just time to upgrade. She's totally going to get some massive giant house after this, bigger than what she's already got. She lives large. Maybe she's, but maybe she's actually downsizing just because the kids are grown. <laughs> um, her husband is never there. Like maybe she's just going to buy like a box just for her. I think that they will do a Karen Huger downsizing. Oh, God. Yeah, so they'll move to a rental that's actually twice the size of their previous home. Why not? Um, so we'll, we'll see how that develops, that story, developing story right there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about the, sh- the Chasse Chalet for sale. I, maybe as well, like, because now she's more well-known, um, it might be time to move somewhere a bit more secure. Mm, I don't know. Yes. Well, you know, we did see, a, like, spoiler alert, we did see this week's episode, there were people just walking around in her backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to clean the, the hot tub, but okay, yeah. Security needed. Um, and just to, to end the headlines, we have an in memoriam section this week. Oh, rest in peace, Jiggy. Lisa Van rest in peace, Jiggy. That is, oh, you know, that was the news that we got at the start of this week, and it was heartbreaking. An icon, honestly. Not even just like as a pet, but like as a character on the show. Mm. I think, I mean, we do know that like Vanderpump Dogs, so much of of, um, Lisa Vanderpump's philanthropy started because of Jiggy. And he was just kind of interesting. Like, as far as dogs go, he didn't, I mean, he just really didn't care about us, but he was just interesting. He was beautiful. His alopecia, his beautiful outfits. I mean, what a housewives icon. I know that dog lived a better life than we ever will. Mate, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, rest in peace, Jiggy. You brought so much joy and love and laughter to the lives of so many watchers. Uh, well, so many housewives fans. On that note, that is the end of the headlines. Um, should we take a short break and get back into the juicy, juicy peaches of Atlanta? Oh, I love that segue. Yes, let's take a break and be back. And we're back. We are back. You know, I do love stone fruit season and we. Atlanta back. Stone fruit season. That is iconic, Patricia. I love this. Well, it's like that's what's in rotation in my fruit bowl at the moment. Nectarines, <laughs> peaches, apricots, plums. Love it. Fruit. I love summer in Australia. Brilliant. Um what are we on? We're on like episode two now of Atlanta. Yeah. What how are you feeling about it so far? For me, it's a bit slow. Um, I don't know. Is this just, is this just a, an effect of filming during a pandemic? Like I, it's personally when people would ask me, like, what have you been up to? It's like, well, I've been like in my house 
not seeing anyone for months. Yeah. I have no updates. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think because there's like so like they, they're not going to any parties, they're not going to any any events. It's like they're filming just at each other's homes where they can socially distance. And then we're kind of getting bits and pieces of Portia because she's obviously actively um, being an activist at the moment. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's it's kind of a slow burn. I'm, I'm just hoping we get to something good. Also, I, like, because the group is so small, it's like I, I would – I'm just like, I feel like we're not getting, I don't know, the way it's been edited, there's not enough screen time of all of them. I just feel like there's only so many times I can just watch like Kenya and Cynthia and whoever else is around. I don't know. Well, I guess we can hope in the coming weeks um, that things pick up a little bit. I think this week we get introduced to two new characters on the show. So yes. we're building on the cast. I mean, like last week was definitely we were catching up on a lot that had been going on in the US. So I think now it's time to sort of dig into these new friends that they brought on. Um, we've got Dre- Drew. Yes, Drew Sedora, actress, mother, wife, singer. Daughter. Yeah, we love a qu- qu- quintuple threat. <laughs> I don't know. Um, do and then we meet... Latoya as well, who is a friend of. Well, she's, Can- she's Candy's group. friend. She's Candy's friend who uh, Kenya steals, essentially. I, I love, I think the thing that Atlanta I always enjoy is like the friends of always manage to like change hands all the time. Like Marlo has been like subtitled as like everyone from like. Candy's friend to Cynthia's friend to Nini's friend, like she is everyone's friend. Um, it's just sort of like who are you friends with at the time? Because there are so many fallouts that happen in that group. True. Um, so I feel like Latoya will be the same. It'll be like Candy's friend at the start. By the end of the season, it'll be like Kenya's wife. <laughs> True. But so Drew has a peach. Latoya is a friend of. What are your initial thoughts on uh, both the ladies? Latoya, we get introduced to first. Wow, a lot of energy. A lot. Um, just a lot. I don't even know. There was just a lot going on. Um, you can tell that she's going to be there to bring the drama. Like, yeah, well, she's not afraid to. Right. I think Kenya calls her a turn up girl at once. At one point, not to be confused with the root vegetable turn up but a turn up girl. So she's a party girl. She, she's just full energy. She wants to be at the event. She wants to be kicking and drinking with the ladies. She wants to be spilling tea. She has a lot to say. Um, and the thing about it that's so wild for me is that Kenya takes to her so quickly. Like they met the night before and then the next day Kenya invites her to her house for drinks with her and Cynthia and their best friends. And I think Cynthia talks about it in the confessional, she's like, Kenya is not normally this warm to new people. And Kenya is already like bringing her in the fold. Like what's up with that? I'm sus. What is up with that? Um, That's why I think they're going to be married by the end of the season. (laughs) Yeah. They definitely like are really into each other. Like 
I don't know, just something, I guess, when you do meet somebody who you just click with and there's, like, obviously instant chemistry. But I, for what I, I see it as, like, Latoya gravitated to Kenya. I think she, like, bowed down to Kenya. Like, so I think Kenya sees, like, this is somebody who really likes me already and is down to be in my corner and is kind of non-threatening. I think the fact that she's Trinidadian, so uh, Latoya is Trinidadian and very proud of it, and Mark Daly is Trinidadian, and she's sort of like giving Kenya all these insights mm. about Trinidadian men. But she's also like, I think Kenya wants a single friend at the moment who she can like hang out with. I think, you know, Kenya doesn't want all the other ladies are like partnered and in relationships. And I think Kenya is looking for somebody who can just be a bit of fun. Totally. I hear you on that. I think um, that connection there between Mark Daly and LaToya, I think definitely is giving Kenya a lot of insight as well. Um, Because whatever LaToya was saying about Trinidadian men seemed to speak true for Kenya. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, I think she's going to be the hot mess of this season. I think she's just going to be bringing bringing mess, like not even bringing tea. She's just going to be bringing mess. Yeah, I agree. You know what I thought was really interesting? There's a scene um, kind of like in the middle of towards the end where they're at Cynthia's house and it's like Marlo, um, Drew's there, but like it's there's this bit where Marlo is really watching the way Kenya and LaToya are together. And at one point LaToya... And Marlo go into the kitchen to go, I don't know, fix some drinks or something. And Marlo is, like, telling LaToya, you, you can't trust Kenya. Like, you need to be careful with what you tell her. And my favourite Marloism is she's, like, you can, you can like, go to Kenya to learn how to pronounce certain words <laughs> that don't go to her about, like, relationship advice or anything else. <laughs> I mean, did she lie? No, but I love that you can go to you can go to Kenya to to ask about how to pronounce certain words, but like anything else, honey, don't trust them. What do, you, what do you think the end game is? Like, I personally think that Latoya has some tea, and that Kenya is like wants Latoya on her side because I don't know. I just feel like when Kenya befriends you, it's so that she can use you in one of her latest mm. plots hot take I don't know maybe it's just one of those things where she thinks she needs Latoya on side because she really doesn't need any more drama this season um, and if Latoya is going to be the one spilling the tea then let's just stay directly out of her way perhaps but let, let's talk a little bit about Drew so Drew is the new peach like Drew is going to be an actual housewife and I thought it was really interesting because the reaction that Kenya had had to Drew is the reaction that Kenya always generally has to a new a new woman joining the cast, which was like, uh, well, she says, where did Cynthia find her from or whatever, you know? And it's like, hang on a second. You literally met this other woman two days ago and your bosom buddies, but like now you're like, feeling underwhelmed by Drew Sedora. It's like, well, who do you think you are? Like that is, that to me is where I'm like, Kenya doesn't like you if you possess a threat. If you, uh, you know, seem to be happily married, have a family and have a successful career because they're both actors, then instantly 
Kenya is just like, mm, I'm not interested. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I'll support you in that hypothesis. <laughs> I am a scientist think... of housewives sociology. Well, so I was going to say we're anthropologists, sociologists. Like, I mean, real housewives are just like some weird like experiment, really. Hundred percent. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kenya definitely has a lot of you know, like trauma i don't know if it's trauma but like she's she's been through it in her life oh i totally agree and i could totally see how she doesn't like to see other women in happy relationships or what appear to be happy relationships with children um but she should just focus on her um She's yeah. a hater though that's my thing about kenya is that she's just a hater unnecessarily like that that anyway. Who do you think is going to throw the better shade this season, Latoya or Kenya? I think Kenya is the queen of shade. I definitely think that she's a shade monster. I think that she she can she can be mean about anyone mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat. Yes, but uh, yeah, I think Latoya is going to. Yeah, maybe she, I don't know. I think I think Kenya calls it out that she she says to Cynthia that that she does she sees like some drama coming for Latoya and Drew like when she says that like she's like they're not going to get along and I feel like what Kenya is going to do is Kenya is going to instigate is going to stir the pot is going to ensure she's going to produce she's going to ensure that there is drama between Latoya and Drew because she loves mess. I mean, we all love mess, which is why we watch these shows. But I think that she is foreshadowing something that she wants to happen. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, like last season as well, Kenya, I think, did the same thing more or less. It's what she does all the time. She She's the, one of the real reasons that, that there is a disconnect between Queen Phaedra and so many of the other women on the shows, like Kenya instigated so much of that drama. And I just see her doing it again. I mean, it makes for great television. It's entertaining, but God, aren't you tired of it? Yes. We're all a little tired of it. Aren't you tired of it? Anyway, what are the other ladies up to this week? I mean, so where, where did we start? We, so we kind of touched on this, that um, we're having drinks at more manner and, Latoya and Kenya are fast friends. Um, and Cynthia does say that and is a little surprised and shocked by it. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, as we've discussed, it just seems like they are in it together for a reason. Between the Trinidadian connection, between the tea that's going to be spilled for sure, and possibly the um the connection there with drew oh, i i like drew though i think i think she's gonna bring good energy i don't want her to be like shut down by those two yeah i, I agree i'm i'm liking drew as well what do you think about drew's relationship with her husband and i'm i also just want to say a big shout out to drew's mum, who is in this episode a lot I am loving that she's going grey and she's just, like, leaning into having, like, grey braids because it's, like, a silver. I can't wait to be a silver foxette. I don't know if that's a thing, but that's what I'm calling myself. 
Yes, here for it. Um, oh, love her mum. I mean, that's like everyone's nightmare, right? That like your mum comes to visit and then there's a pandemic <laughs> and she can't Stuck. leave. She can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> when a two week stay turns into like eight months. Oh <laughs> I would die. But we also meet her husband, Justin, who, wow. I mean, we, there were some texts shared earlier this week between us. I am here for it. I think he is a hunk of a man. You did not share this opinion. <laughs> no, like, look, is he good looking? Yes. But he gaslights. They, ha- they, they have a lot of fights. And in the fight that we see on this show, he gaslights the fuck out of her when she tells him that he's been, you know, watching them on record on cameras that he's placed around the house and he denies it and she storms off and says I'm not going to have you make me look like a liar like an idiot because you are a liar like he's not nice we see that they have a lot of trouble in their marriage it's not a marriage of trust he's he's a runner she calls him he runs away from conflict like he disappeared for three whole days like you as good looking as you are if you're a fuck man you need to get out of here uh, he's not a fuck man. He's a fuck boy. Child. Yeah, he's a child. He's a child. Um. Yeah, that like whole scene at the end was so problematic for so many different reasons. So many reasons. Um. Do you want to get into that scene? I'm here for it. I want you to break it down for me. So. It's is there an, it's an anniversary, right? Yep. Is that how this dinner begins? It's their anniversary, and he has hired in a chef to cook for them. He's got this beautiful balloon tumor decoration going on <laughs> <laughs> with the word love through it, and they're sitting down to have this like beautiful meal to like you know go over. The last like seven years that they've been together, whatever it is, six years, yeah, six years, and they start to get into it because he has disappeared. What was the week before, two weeks before, for three days, and he was in his office. She goes and knocks on the door to tell him that dinner is ready, and he is nowhere to be found. Apparently, he is replying to his messages, so he's not completely MIA, but he refuses to say where he is, who he is with, when he's coming back. And where is he? (laughs) Well, he's gone to the beach. (laughs) He says it's because with the mother living at home, his mother-in-law, it's become far too much for him and he just needs some space because that's how men operate, right? Men just need to get some space. When that's what he says. A bit rough. And he just ran away to the beach. Now, she clearly knows where he has been, what he's been up to, but she wants to give him the opportunity to say where he's been and he's very very sketchy about this yep because he says he's at the beach and drew's like which beach 
Because she goes, they were like, we live near lots of beaches. So would you like <laughs> to specify which one? And he sort of doesn't really say. And she then questions whether he has left the state of Georgia, to which he says yes. And it turns out that he's in Tampa, Florida. Like a whole other state. I know they're close, but he literally like just was like, I'm going on a holiday. Like that's so rude. I mean, I don't think it's rude. I think it's disrespectful. I think it's sketchy as fuck. I as think fuck. problematic. Um, and so, but then I think like that issue in itself was like, okay, you can sort of work through that. But then it turns out that while he's away, Drew finds a hidden camera in the house and realizes that he has been watching them through an app, see where they're at. And so she's like, well, if you are watching us, but you don't tell us where you are, that's kind of creepy. Oh, it's beyond creepy. It's beyond creepy. It's fucked up. I don't understand why Drew is still with him. <laughs> well, I mean, that, and that's hopefully what we'll, we'll learn through the season, you know. They have a family together. They're, they're obviously love, there's, there's love there. Like, she loves him. I mean, but we ask ourselves this question of so many of the women all the time. So let's see if they are still together by the end of the season. Do you, is that something that you think that you could come back from? Your, your no. partner disappearing <laughs> for three days in another state and then having watched you and your family through a camera. Yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't know how you recover from that. I, I, I personally couldn't, but I, you know, I'd be suing for all sorts of things right now. You know, like I, I wouldn't stand for it, but I mean, I say that. I've never been in that position before where there's children involved and there's finances involved and there's things. So, I mean, who knows? But, yeah, I'm hoping that we, throughout the season, get to get a better idea of why their relationship is the way that it is and what how that's going to end. Because we know that, how the how, like, these shows, when you're watching yourself back on these shows, a lot of people start to see themselves in different ways because when they're filming, they're in it. And so we know that once they start to see it, they start to have a different reflection and have a different attitude. So it'll be interesting to see what that does for their relationship. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see that storyline. I think the mum is going to have a big part to play in this as well, right? I yeah, think the mum is going to have some hard truths. She's going to, you know, really counsel her daughter. Um, is the mother a pastor? She is Pastor Jeanette from Chicago. Yes. See, she is going to bring a lot of clarity, I think, to Drew throughout this situation. I think we know that whenever you bring, like, a mother onto the show, like, if you bring your mother on the show, they are going to form some sort of character. Like, they're going to be, we're going to see them a lot. I mean, just in this episode, we also had Mama Joyce, Candy's mom, and we also have Miss Diane, uh, Portia's mom, in it. So, I mean, the, I love I love that the women of Atlanta always sort of bring their mothers in you know they, they tend to be characters in their own right 
Yeah, totally. I think that's like one of the like really great parts of Atlanta. I think like every sort of franchise seems to have like their own thing. Like whether it's like the house husbands in like New Jersey, for example. True. Yeah. I mean, they actually get paid, but yeah, I think the mothers in this, like, because you're totally right. We see like Mama Joyce, iconic. Like Mama Joyce, like, why have we never given her a peach? Honestly, <laughs> the amount of tea that she spills, <laughs> she should be paid to spill it. Well, I think, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Mama Joyce. I liked her in this episode because we're celebrating Riley's graduation. We see her and Candy in the car on their way to the COVID safe high school graduation. And it's so funny when they're sort of in the car walking down memory lane and, you know, Candy laments like she didn't get a chance to really go to her own graduation and do all the things that her daughter's doing. Like she didn't get a chance to go to college, which her, uh, Riley's going to do. But the way Mama Joyce takes the credit for everything <laughs> that happens <laughs> in Candy's life, it's like Candy's like, you know, I work so hard for this. And Mama Joyce is like, I work so hard for this. I mean, where's the lie? Come on, give Mama Joyce some credit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, it, it. I mean, Candy and her mom and her whole family are, are very close. And we know that in many ways, while Candy has been building her career and building her empire, Mama Joyce was the one that was kind of helping with Riley and making sure that Riley was able to go to school and do all these other things. So I think, you know, it's just that old adage that it takes a village. But it was really nice to just see Mama Joyce happy and in mm-hmm. a good mood and not, like, angry at Todd. <laughs> when she stole Riley's money that Todd gave her, like, Todd gave her, like, five grand or something, and Mama Joyce just like, that's my money. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, because that's us. I would do the same. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah, if my child was just getting money, I'd be like, that's mine. <laughs> well, we do um, know after last season that Mama Joyce does have some issues around... Um, being given money and stuff because of her um her childhood at, at school when she gave someone her lunch money and never got it ever again and that was when she stopped trusting people yeah 100% I mean that's childhood trauma it can live with you for many many years so when she got that five grand in her hands she, I, <laughs> she was running with it she, she was, was running with it, it to, she was never giving it up no, but it's nice. It's love. It's lovely. I guess the other side, we spoke about this last week of COVID and lockdown in Atlanta is we're getting a lot more family vignettes. You know, we're mm-hmm. seeing the whole family together around the table. Um, and I think it's really interesting with Portia. Portia is kind of in a similar situation. Portia is in Kentucky. She gets arrested um, during a Breonna, Breonna Taylor uh, protest and she is FaceTiming Miss Diane and her sister Lauren, who are both looking after PJ while Portia is away. And I mean, that that was hard to watch for so many reasons. Like Portia talking us through what staying overnight in prison was like and talking about the protest in general, but then seeing what, what Portia is risking, you know, risking these moments of being able to be with her own child and acknowledging that she has to do it because, you know, it's for PJ's future. It's it's so bittersweet and hard to watch those moments. I mean, this is why she was crowned um, time people person <laughs> of the year. Uh, you crowned her that, yeah. 
I mean, it wasn't just me. The internet agrees. The internet does agree. Uh, this is why she is Portia Luther King. Um, she is an icon. She is the moment. This journey that she is on, it is, it is actually really wonderful to watch. Um, I do, though, like, I think next week we're going to head back more to, like, just what's actually happening in Portia's life, like what's going on with her and Dennis and just how she's juggling her career and motherhood and everything. But, yeah, we haven't really seen much of Portia in the flesh. <laughs> she's been away in these couple of episodes. But you know what? I'm okay with it. I think she, like, like th- this is going to be her thing. I think this will be the season where she finally grows up. Like, she's an activist. She's just the moment. She is the moment. I'm just She's the moment. She is Whitney. She is the moment. Until later in the season, I reckon it's all going to, like, just turn to shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and finally, what is going on with Cynthia? So, Aside from her and Mark, uh, so her and Mike Hill just drinking, we didn't really touch on the wedding that much, but next week it looks like they're going to go into the wedding. I don't know. This episode was kind of really light on things. It was just like, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. There's not really a whole heap to really dig into yet. Yeah, I think, um, well, we, we have Cynthia have her wine tasting of black-owned um, vineyards, wineries. True. Um, so we have the ladies get together for that. Although I think Candy's not there, so it's not like the full group in any case. Um, totally agree with you. I wonder, so one of the things that has been floating around are the ratings, the rating numbers, not great for Atlanta this week. Um, do you think it has to do with the fact that it has been a little light on and I don't know, I hate to say it because Lanithia Leaks is not a part of the ensemble. No, I think, I think it is just COVID related. I think it's, it's that thing of, I think a lot of the drama that we know that's going to come up in the show, like it's sort of already played out a little bit on the internet. So it's like, what what is the show going to give us? Like, we're, we're waiting for, you know, those keystone moments that we've seen floating around on the net and in the blogs about, like, Cynthia's bachelorette party, Cynthia's wedding. Like, this is what everything is building up to. We know that Kenya is potentially going to file for divorce. Like, we want to see that. We want, We just, I think we need to get into a bit of the meat. I think it's still just, like, a little bit of a slow burn. And I think maybe this is how it's always been. But because we've had a show like Potomac, which has given us like meat right from the jump. I think our expectations have just changed. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel. I feel like there are other shows that are giving me more and it makes me sad because Atlanta is my keystone. It's my like number one housewives. It always has been. And I know things change, but yeah, I don't know. uh, Yeah. I think I'm going to agree with you on that point. I think Atlanta is always a slow burn to start. I think it never comes in hot. I think it really builds up. And it's not until sort of like mid-season where we're actually into the meaty stuff that's going on. Um, I think generally that's always got to do with like contract negotiations. I think at the beginning they're still trying to like work out like 
who's full-time, who's just a friend of, who's even coming back. Because I think Nene for the past, like, you know, three seasons always does this thing where she's, you know, negotiates very hard. Um, and she was always limited in the first couple of episodes. So I think, yeah, they kind of take a bit of time to settle and work out who's who's in and who's not. Um, so I think I'm hoping that things will, like, definitely, like, lift off. But, I mean, also, there's only five women this season. So um, we do have two friends of, um, but this is a much smaller cast than what we've traditionally had. I mean, for any franchise, really, I feel like six is usually the – the number that we have yeah um so five is already a little less um and i don't know if uh covid is going to reduce the amount of episodes in this season as well or what that looks like but uh, yeah i don't know um i think the other thing that i definitely want to just touch on briefly is the confessional look that kenya (gasps) served this week yes oh my gosh i'm so glad you brought it up African queen. Yes, the homage to to Africa. You know, for all that I that I say about Kenya, and I I don't like her. She's a beautiful woman though, and that confessional look gave me life. It was studying the colors, just makeup, stunning, amazing. It's regal. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. She looked like a queen. Um, but yeah. Oh. I think it's great. I think, like, you know, as well in the lens of, like, Black Lives Matter and, you know, celebrating Black culture, it's fun. Yes, 100%. I think it's nice to see her going down that route. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, it's so nice to We love to, to end- see it. Yeah, we do love to see it. It's nice to sort of, like, wrap up this uh, Atlanta discussion on a positive note. Yeah, I'm here for all the women in Atlanta look gorgeous and I'm loving all of their confessional looks so far. Yes, and I love uh, Titty Scent. Oh. I just wanted to say that. I just wanted to put it out. Cynthia, stunner, <laughs> stunner. There's nothing she can do that's not stunning. Anyway, um, do you have anything else really to say about Atlanta? I mean, I could talk about Cynthia's tits for the rest of this episode. But <laughs> let's... <laughs> Maybe that'll be let's... a bonus. We'll do a bonus episode where we just talk about Cynthia's tits. How does that sound? I am here for it. Um, let's, let's close the discussion and let's <laughs> open the discussion with Salt Lake City after the break. All right. Fabulous. And we are back. Are you ready to talk about Salt Lake City this week? You know what, Moshi? I actually feel like this was a quiet week for Salt Lake City, which, I mean, there was still so much going on, but... I mean, it just tells you how intense the last, like, five episodes like just having a bit of a break from some of the drama. Um, what did you think of this week's episode? Toot boot. I mean, it's still getting a toot from me. I mean, there was a lot of – it was all about the events. It is Sundance Film Festival time. There's also the Park City Fashion Week. We've got Whitney's, Whitney's husband, Justin's birthday party. And then we've got Jen's VIP screening party for her cousin, Tony's new documentary. There was just like so many events. Um, there wasn't any like sit down dinners and, and drinks or anything, which I think is kind of what you're really alluding to is like, there wasn't a moment where all the girls were just intimate and it was just them. It was more about like the girls in the wild. 
Okay, just because you brought it up, can we please talk just briefly about Jen Shah's cousin Tony? What a man. <laughs> oh, he is a hottie patati. Oh, oh, oh. oh my god, we should rename this podcast the Thirst Trap or something because I was thirsty for Tony. Patrizio, I feel like you need to just set up that podcast on your own. <laughs> but Patrizio's first hour. <laughs> wow. Just what a hunk. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let's Is it out of your system? To... <laughs> Not quite, but oh, I'm feeling a bit flushed, actually. <laughs> you guys can't see him. I can. He is definitely going a little bit red. A little bit red. Okay. Oh. Well... Okay. Try and you know, there's there's enough snow in Sundance City to cool you down. I know, yeah. Okay, let let's get into it. I mean, let's start with Sundance. You know, I was uh, googling when Sundance Festival is, and it's like end of February, I think. Yeah. So we are dangerously close to the start of the pandemic at this point. I don't True. think that we get any pandemic action in. Salt Lake City, um, but we are definitely edging towards it at this point with Sundance. Edging, good choice of words. But yeah, it's interesting. It is. It is kind of a life that is sort of pre full pandemic. COVID exists, but like people aren't aren't being touched by it yet. And so this is probably like one of the last big parties. I mean, I know people have had them. This is probably like one of the last big like global events that happens in the flesh before everything goes like super virtual. That's actually such a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, let's get into Sundance. So we have the queen of Sundance on the show. Well, one of the queens of Sundance. We'll get into that. But Lisa Barlow. Oh, I was talking about Catherine. But, yeah, Lisa Barlow. (laughs) Lisa Barlow. I mean, let's just talk about how she just completely forgets that she has children for the time of that Sundance is in. I think, you know, I think we saw a really interesting side to Lisa this week because I think we just saw somebody who's like super pragmatic. She, she's not saying she's acknowledging the fact that like, this is the biggest time for her business wise. She's not only does she have like the alcohols, but she's obviously does marketing. So she's doing events for, other ven- she's a- for other vendors, for other companies. And she acknowledges that, like, for whatever this period of time, I can't be mummy first. Mummy is M-I-A. And I think that that's something that a lot of – that we don't often see is women calling it out or people who are parents calling it out that – that sometimes something has to give. And I actually really – applauded and enjoyed her honesty about that um yeah I like I don't think it was her abandoning her kids I think it was her just sort of saying like unfortunately the only way for me to be successful in this right is that I have to put all my energy into this and to be fair her kids called her during the event I feel like if they'd called her maybe a little bit earlier or whatever she would have been on the phone with them uh, I don't think so. I think there was definitely some shady editing going on from the producers. Because, um, I mean, like, why is the babysitter being like, let's call your mom? Yeah. Does that work? Um, but, 
yeah, she was never picking up that phone. Um, I don't know. I kind of felt as though she was one of those, she's one of those people who kind of like at the event, you see it, right. She's like kind of like running around and she's sort of screaming things like, Five minutes to open and like sweep the floor. Sweep the floors. Like, I don't know, is she actually doing anything or helping? Like, I think that's just trying to look busy. Um, or I'm sure that she's very involved in the, the preparation for, but just her sort of running around a bit like a headless chook, I felt, um, in those scenes. But I I'm but I, but I think that that's when you're the when you're the founder or the CEO, when it's your company and your company is successful, you're not doing the physical labor. That's, I mean, we do see her husband doing that. He shows up in a U-Haul with additional chairs and tables and uh, things that are going to go into the event. But she's the coordinator. She's the facilitator. She's the strategist. She doesn't need to be doing those other things. That is exactly what she pays other people for, or in this instance, does not pay her husband for. <laughs> which I love. I look, I'm going to make no secret of the fact that I do not like Lisa Barlow and I just, I do not support her, but I did really love the wall where you could pull things off and get prizes. Yeah, it was like was a um, McDonald's Monopoly because it was for the McMillions documentary, which is really interesting. Like, when I saw that that was something that she was part of, I was like, okay, she's doing really big, important events or I mean, important in this world. Um, I think it, I think she, she is compared to the other women. I think it is, she's hard to love because she is so hard around the edges. She is not very vulnerable. She kind of is a little bit like Erica Jane. She's giving us a lot of surface level stuff, but I think it is kind of interesting that I do also think that there is some vulnerability because we do see that there's a little bit of like her marriage isn't perfect. She lets us see that, but she's also kind of pragmatic. The way she talks about how she lives her life based on whatever the principles are of the LDS church. Like, I just think she's just a straight shooter. I think that she's just, yeah, kind of pragmatic. I think that we, do see a vulnerability from her. And I'm saying this as somebody who like hated her at the jump. I think it's just like acknowledging that she is the way that she is, but I do think she's going to give us some, some stuff. It's fun to see a woman like that. I don't know. I'm, I've never really seen it on TV. She's not the same as Bethany because Bethany is like so intense. I think that Lisa is like a businesswoman who's like, just not as like intense. And I like it. Yeah, I think I don't know. Moving on. Um, wow, you really don't want to talk. Like, let's talk about- you really don't want to talk about Lisa Barlow. Now that I know that this is your trigger, so this is this is the one for you. This is the one that you are just like not feeling. Wow, let's get into that, Patricia. Why are you really not feeling Lisa Barlow? She's just she's vapid and like I I think she is. Uh, What's the word? What is the word? She's just... No, I don't want to say she's taking advantage because that's not the right word either. But, like, you know, 
I mean, I said it in the first episode, she's more by convenience. I think she, and, and maybe that's the businesswoman side of her. Like she just, she sees an opportunity and she'll do what she needs to do to make it happen. And like, good for See, her. I believed you initially when you said she was Mormon by convenience. Like I was really believing that with you, but I don't know. I'm starting to not think that it's that way. I think that she does. I agree with you that she is a bit vapid, but I think it's because she might be lacking a little bit of self-awareness or I think it's, I think it's that she does know how she is, but she's just unapologetic. And I think that sometimes that's kind of hard for us to accept that somebody is that way because we want people to be a bit more humble. We want people to be a bit softer. And I think that that's often us projecting like our expectations of how somebody else should be. But I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there is things there. I know I can't convince I you. Know. I know I can't convince you. <laughs> I just feel sorry for her kids. Like, you know what's really funny? So I did do a bit of a deep dive into her Instagram and her many, many businesses. So one of the businesses that she has is like this men's grooming product. And what I thought was really interesting is the marketing for the product is predominantly her children. She uses her kids in the campaign and her husband in the campaign. And when I saw that, what I instantly thought was, here is a woman who is creating a lane for her children. I'm just trying to think there's somebody else that has done, there's definitely another housewife who's done something similar, but I feel like the way she, she only knows how to express herself this way. So one of the ways that she can use her business initiative and her powers is to like set up her children in the same way so that they're going to be financially stable and be able to do all these things. And I think that, you know, that is one way that a parent can show their love and concern and appreciation. It might not always be cuddles, all these other things, but I think, I think she's doing her best. And I think like perhaps we'll learn a little bit more about why she is the way she is. Like I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Look, I think I, I would be very surprised if any of these ladies don't get asked back. For a oh, a hundred percent. They're all coming back. Um, yeah, unless something like very dramatic happens between now and the reunion. Um, yeah, they're all coming back. So I guess Lisa will have a chance to try and win me over next season. <laughs> um, or she can send me some of her men, men's yeah. products and maybe I'll rethink my position then. True. Well. And I think we do need to always remember like they're going to have an opportunity to watch themselves back. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what she's like next season. But look, I mean, you don't need to love every housewife. I just I'm feeling myself opening up a little bit more to Lisa and wanting to understand her and get to, don't you roll your eyes at me. He literally just rolled his eyes at How me. How did you hear that? How did you hear that through the I'm podcast? literally staring at you on my computer screen, Patrizio. You, I can't believe you just rolled your eyes at me about Lisa Barlow. I am happy for this to be the thing that divides us. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? I want your take then on the other parent on the franchise that is really failing right now. Oh, failing you, uh, failing so, you, or failing as a parent? I mean, failing okay. me because it's mean, all about you. Yep. Everyone should be seeking my validation. I'm here. But... I'm here for that. No, I agree. <laughs> who, 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 who? 
so Park City Fashion Week. Oh. Um, we have Brooks um, debuting um, his line in the show. His line. And obviously last week Meredith told her husband to take the highway and go away. Um, and so he takes that very, very seriously to the point where he decides not to come to his son's fashion show. Um, what? So which is the parent that's failing you? Is it Seth or is it Meredith? It's oh. Seth. Like, so disappointing. Like, just because your wife really wants time apart, like, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be present for your children. I and agree. I think... At a fashion show, it's more than possible to be at separate ends of the room um, and still support your son through that. Um, I think, obviously, Mark's was... No, that's this Oh, my God, I don't even know who this was. Like. <laughs> Brooks. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brooks, like, was obviously very disappointed. And, like, his dad sent a video, which was, like, cute, but also no. Um yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was really disappointing. And I think the whole point of, like, you know, when you separate is because you want the best for your children, right? Because the relationship has gotten so unhealthy or toxic that you want to protect children through it. Um, but it's kind of like it's done the opposite by not showing up. I was just really disappointed. I really felt for Brooks. Yeah, I mean, I 100% felt for Brooks. And I think, you know, the the through line of that storyline is that they were really wanting to hit home um, that Seth isn't there. You know, they repeated it so often. It's like, okay, we understood. But I think if we just go back from what our initial ideas were in the very first episode when we heard that Meredith and Seth were living leaving apart, we all projected this idea that, oh, he lives in Chicago. He's having an affair. It's obviously him. And as the episodes have been coming, like, and as we've gotten to this, like, sixth episode or fifth episode, we're learning that actually the the separation, and I don't think they're going to get divorced or if they do, but, like, this separation is really being led by Meredith. Um, and... For me, it was actually incredibly heartbreaking because up until that point, I'd been like, I feel like Seth would have been there, but he's not there because Meredith said, like, don't come. Um, or yes. there's there's some other stuff there. But then at the end, to see her kind of, I believe in that moment, like when she was in the confession and obviously the producers are asking her questions, I think we see her break down and we see her just, like, crying and being getting so emotional when she acknowledges that she she wants to be the best parent that she can be, but she hasn't protected her kids or she believes that she hasn't protected her kids enough. I think she's done the best that she can. But I think there's perhaps also an acknowledgement there that perhaps things could have gone a different way for Brooks's fashion show because obviously the confessional happens after the show. And I think she probably sees that, maybe asking Seth to stay away or not or not going or not being more intentional about trying to get Seth to be in town specifically for that show is probably something that she could have controlled or could have managed a bit better and it's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. it it is devastating to watch a family fall apart um but in terms of like you know Brooks and his fashion show it's great I love that he has a tracksuit line 
But there were some scenes in this construct of, of Brooks's first fashion show that were just like so made up. Like they were so cultivated. When when they're at Meredith's boutique with her business partner Susan and Brooks is like, Susan, do you mind if I just pull a few looks for the show? Like, come on. <laughs> that was contrived AF. You know what wasn't uh wasn't fake? Um, as they're heading out to go to the fashion show and like the toilet explodes and the smoke alarms start going off. Like, like you- so that that whole situation about them running late for the fashion show and then everything in the house just falling apart. Like they're they're running late, the toilet explodes. The alarms are going off. Their dog is barking. Then we see that their dog, the way these these producers and editors and filmmakers are filming this show, we just see that there's like a shit ton of dog shit in the house as they're leaving. Meredith calling the maintenance guy to come and like fix their toilet. I know I said this last week that I thought that their, like Meredith was sleeping in a hotel, but it was actually her house. I do not believe that they live in that house. Oh, no, not at all. Like, they are not living there because, <laughs> no. That house is an Airbnb. Yeah, it's a rental for sure. It There is no way that that is their real house. I suspect it might have been a house that they've moved into when they realised they were filming this show, but nothing about it screams home to me. No, especially the fact that, like, they don't even know, like, how to turn anything off. Anything off. The fact that they called, like, maintenance, like, just to have somebody on the phone like that. I was like, they're living perhaps in, like, some sort of, like, gated community or something. But the house that they're in right now, that's not their OG house. No, not at all. I I think they're mainly based out in, like, New York and Ohio. I don't think Salt Lake City is ever a real destination that they stay in for long periods of time interesting we need to find out more about that um i don't think we'll ever maybe at the reunion maybe someone will maybe i should tweet andy cohen because they are maybe you should yeah i think we need some questions yeah definitely get in there and ask some questions about what's going on with that house um but yeah it was interesting uh the third event in this episode, there were a lot of events. You're right. It's a lot of events, but I love that. I love that they're giving us all these like great talking points. Um, Whitney's husband, Justin has his birthday party. Um, and that's, uh, it sounds like they do the same birthday party every year. Every year. That's sort of what, what I got. Yeah. Um, I got that too. And it's a celebration of why they are together because they both got excommunicated from the church. Um, so Whitney could pole dance basically. No, like the way Whitney talks about her love for Justin, I believe it. And I honestly, I mean, it was a, it was a little bit Stepford, but at the same time, I was like, it's kind of beautiful. She, they've obviously both risked a lot to be together, but when she talks about him, like risking the relationship that he had with his own children, because he obviously had children from a previous relationship and things like that. um, I thought that was really nice. It was kind of interesting that Heather, when Heather was being interviewed and she sort of said, this is why Justin got with Whitney because she's like a party girl and knows how to have a good time and she's young and hot. And I was like, please tell me there's more to it than that. I, um, 
I don't know. But I, I guess they're just living their truths. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I think they're just living their truths. I like them as a couple. They obviously are great friends and love each other very much. But I love this party. So everybody starts at Whitney's house just for pre-drinks. Then they all jump on a party bus and then they head up to the real Queen of Sundance's house, which is up up a hill. Some I say hill, but I think it's like quite far up in the mountains. And then she throws a party where there's like DJs and all these other stuff going on. There's catering. Um, and it's like quite a nice event. Um, it is interesting to see who makes the party bus and who doesn't. Who makes the party bus? Well, Jen Shah obviously makes the party bus. Heather is on the party bus, but we learn that Meredith is not on the party bus and Miriam Cosby does not do the party bus because Miriam Cosby does not like to party. Oh, and by the way, we learn about this when Jen and Whitney are in the hot tub having a hot tub party. (laughs) I loved it. I mean... Yes, I did love it also. Like Jen Shah delivering another amazing look. Um, I mean, I feel like it is very Whitney to have a hot tub as well. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, she, she's, yeah, she's created a, a persona. Um, Mary M. Cosby was never getting on that party bus though. <laughs> no. So, like, I know that I've, I've said that I think that. Like Mary's fashions are obviously wild, but I do think that she dresses conservatively. She does try to cover up below the knee. Like we're never going to see anything short, but I don't think she drinks. She totally doesn't drink. Um, she, yeah, it doesn't party. Um, well, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, we can talk about that. I mean, I normally I like my housewives to drink, but, you know, because she's so kind of loopy, it works well that she doesn't drink. Can you imagine if she drank? Oh my! I feel like she would be a really sad drunk. She would be a sad drunk, but I also think like she'd just be kind of crazy. So let's let's let's. I don't even really know where to begin because I guess we have just jumped right into Whitney's husband's party. But I guess it's like everything that is kind of leading up to Justin's party. So we've got the hot tub scene between. Uh, Jen Shah and Whitney just talking about, you know, all the drama that's been going down. And then we are taken to Miriam Cosby's house where Mary is telling her Charlinda, who works for them, who is her grandmother's brother's or grandmother's cousin's daughter, who showed up when Robert Jr. was born, loved him so much, that she never left. <laughs> yes. His brother's daughter. So technically, the plot is Mary's thick. cousin. Cousin. But Mary refuses to say that they're cousins. And I love that, like, they're in this room and they're dancing, and Mary's doing a horrible dance. And then Charlinda does a dance, and Mary tells her to stop because she can't dance. But then in the confessional, Mary acknowledges that they're not friends. We've just seen them having a good time together. They're not friends because Mary doesn't know what she does outside of her life in the home, which I actually was like, that's kind of true. I, I mean, I come from a family where we all know each other's business. The fact that, like, I mean, my grandmother's brother's child, like, I know them. Like, I know their story. Like, I know what of they course. get up to when they're not in my house. 
I just thought she was like it was weird. Like I, I don't think it's like I'm gay. I get that some families aren't like that, and that's fine. But I just found it weird that this like person has been in Mary's life, and she literally doesn't know what she does. Like the minute she leaves the door, like. And she's not interested. Like, she's setting a very specific boundary, which I think speaks to the type of life that Mary's had, which I feel is, like, a little bit like being in a in a, a prison of the mind, an emotional prison where, you know, this man who she's with has potentially groomed her. Like, there's a lot of stuff. She obviously doesn't trust a lot of people. So she she she's obviously, like, not wanting to... It's more like one of those things, like, I won't ask you what you do in your private life so you don't ask me what I do in my private life but she did acknowledge it was nice that Mary did acknowledge that look we're not friends but we are family <laughs> she was quick to be on the the up and up that they they are family so do you think that she's a housekeeper or a living nurse I think she's a housekeeper but she obviously you know the way that she dresses and stuff I I'm not surprised that Mary's the one that is making her dress like that you know putting her in her place I think if there's one thing that we've learned from like that leaked audio no and I I mean I mean this is I think that that's Mary's perception if there's one thing that we've learned from the leaked audio even just the way that she said you know she said that they're not friends but they're family like mary is about really creating these very specific boundaries um and and i say putting people in her place because i do think that mary is putting herself above these other people which is horrible um again this is the stuff that is it's entertaining to watch on television but god is it jarring it's i think hard. mary m cosby is going to be one of those housewives that is iconic but is going to regret at some point and i think unfortunately very soon being on the show oh a hundred percent it's going to tear she, her life apart it's it's going to yeah, ruin she doesn't things. understand i think the the extent of how open your life and how public your life becomes how people are going to try and like pull you down. I And I think she's got stuff to hide. She's got, she has got a closet and like, I'm not just talking about the clothes. Like she has got a closet full of mm. stuff that she does not want out. Like let's not talk about the husband. I, I agree with you. <laughs> no, but so I, I agree with you and I, but I, I kind of differ because I do think that Mary is somebody who understands what happens when the word on this when you are the word on the street and what i think mary has tried to do is she's she's obviously trying to set the narrative herself so she's come straight out of the gate talking about the fact that she married her step grandfather and she is trying to manage that conversation but i think what she forgets is you made yourself so much more interesting to us. Like that is not just the only juicy bit. Now we want to know all these other juicy bits. And I think she just perhaps didn't assume that people would want to dig into knowing more about her. I think she thought that maybe having this bit of juice about her marriage mm. would be enough. And I think she, she fails to understand the way we consume. We are vultures. We want it all. Yeah, I think she's going to be in a bit of trouble. I think the reunion is going to be interesting for Mary and Cosby. Oh, 100%. Especially, I, you know, Jen Jen is determined to have a feud. In fact, I mean, they, 
look, they, they do try to mend their friendship and bury the hatchet at Whitney, at Justin's birthday party. But we see in the confessionals, they, are, they don't like each other. Like they aren't going to really ever be friends. And I think at the reunion, it's really going to come out like, and I think that we have already seen that Jen will do whatever it takes to throw Mary under the bus. And this leaked audio is not the ammunition that she needed. I'll be surprised if Mary chooses to return next season. I think she'll be offered an opportunity, but whether or not she comes back, I think is going to be interesting on her own volition. I think is going to be mm. interesting. Uh, so we are at this party and Mary is dancing in the corner by herself, which. Oh, she looks sad. <laughs> All the scenes of Mary just by herself. I was like, do you know what I realized in that moment? Actually, Patrizio. Mary doesn't have any friends because you know like often like when you go to an event like these housewives sometimes who find themselves in these sorts of scenarios they'll always bring like a person like you know like Ramona always brings a Mm. sidekick you know like you would think Mary Mary the vibe that I'm getting from Mary is that she doesn't have like another close girlfriend she just doesn't have them someone who she can bring along to kind of back her up and that's sad yeah, I think she, she was so out of place at that party. I think she, she yeah. you could tell she was very uncomfortable. And I think she was uncomfortable, one, because of the, like, the tension that was still there with Jen um, and it hadn't been resolved. And I think she was kind of itching to speak to Jen. And then also, like, she just doesn't, she doesn't belong in that group. Like she clearly doesn't roll with any of them. Like she's, I'm sure she's not in a feature at any of these kind of like parties that happen around town. Um, she is just not that girl. So yeah, I felt yeah very uncomfortable watching how uncomfortable she was. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I never really picked up on the fact that she might not actually be like on the social scene. Oh, it's tough. It's interesting to watch. But at the same party, we do have Heather really extending herself and talking to men, and I'm just kind of here for it. <laughs> Was that at Whitney at Justin's party, or is that at Jen's VIP? Oh my god, am I party? getting ahead of myself? <laughs> you are getting a little bit ahead of yourself. Or should we talk about the VIP screening? Well, I think right before the VIP screening, right after Justin's party, Heather and Whitney get together for drinks at this, like, very cool little Mm -hmm. bar um, in downtown Utah, downtown Salt Lake. And, you know, that's where the scene, I think, is being set for what's to come about Heather. You know, Heather is lamenting to Whitney about her dating troubles, about how men in Salt Lake City don't want want her and I think you know we spoke about Heather being the narrator and somebody who kind of really informs to the camera she informs us the dear viewers the dear listeners the dear readers she informs us about all these little bits of trivia and facts and life in Salt Lake City and gives us this like authentic you know this is um anthropology she's giving us this ethnographic anthropological perspective of fly on the wall life in downtown Salt Lake City where she tells us you know that 
in the bars, the booze is watered down because the city, the people who run the legislature in the city are Mormon. They're able to kind of run all these things. Like she orders like this, like uh, tequila or whatever. And she's like, it just tastes like water because it's mostly water. Everything is watered down. She talks about how it's impossible for her as now a divorced woman to find somebody who is willing to accept her and start a relationship with her that is because everybody's part of the church. She thinks that like the man that she needs is somebody who needs to be not part of the church. And because they live in Utah, that person is in a big city somewhere, not where she is. But that is the magic of Sundance. It brings the visitors, the internationals, the men. The big city folk. But then when I heard her say that, that she was really excited because it does bring in this, like, you know, diverse group of men, sort of like, well, hon, it kind of sounds like you shouldn't be living in Salt Lake City. Like, because what do you do? You meet this gorgeous man who is from, I don't know, the south of France or he's, like, from Hong Kong. But then what? Sundance is over. He goes home. And then, like, what happens next? And I... But I think that that's... That's what she was saying. I think she's, that's what she's trying to express is that she's so torn because even if she does meet that person, what can she do? She's a mother. Her daughters, you know, still need her. Their life is in Salt Lake City. Their father is still in Salt Lake City. This is the whole world that she knows. You know, we're watching her trying to realize like how is she going to cope with that? And I think it was really nice that Whitney was just sort of saying to her, like Whitney wasn't agreeing with her. And Winnie was sort of just saying, I think you just need to open yourself up. I think those people that you are looking for are here because Whitney is kind of testament to that in the way that she found um, Justin. And I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I love that now we're getting to this like tipping point with Heather where we're about to see like Heather doing her thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and that Ooh, definitely yeah. happens at the VIP screening party. Uh, with cousin Tony. Oh, oh my god! Calm down. <laughs> I would Calm just down. like to say that props to Jen Sharp for turning the chalet into an event space in the space of hours. Fabulous. I feel like the chalet is an event space. I don't feel like she actually really lives there. Uh yes, probably, probably true. Um, but she has it all set up. And because this VIP screening party was meant to be somewhere else, there was three other parties all happening for this particular screening. But Jen is hosting this big one um, at her home. And it's really a bit of a who's who of Salt Lake City and Sundance. And we even get a cameo appearance from the Vanderpump Girls. Yes. What did you think of that? So it's Lala and it's Katie. I know you're not a big Vanderpump person. I was going to say... Or pump rules. I agree with some of the commentary that's floating around the blogs at the moment. And they thought that Salt Lake City would need Vanderpump rules. But I think Vanderpump rules needs Salt Lake City. 100%. Yeah, I I thought it was a bit weird. And, like, I don't know but that there was no acknowledgement that they were from like another Bravo franchise as well. Let's just, let's just break the fourth well, wall. The thing is in the Bravo universe that we all inhabit, 
you're just supposed to know these things, Patrizio. <laughs> and if you don't, it shows what level of uh, fan mm-hmm. you are, I think. You, you kind of just are shaming yourself. So, I don't know. I wasn't, uh, I mean, I could have lived without it. Yeah. But so, so Cousin oh. Tony's documentary is about a group of young people who are rappers and as Jen describes it, a rags to riches story. I don't know about the riches part, but definitely it's obviously about um, surviving struggle and coming out the other end of it. And the crowd that it has bought, yes, it is a global international crowd, but it's also maybe like, I mean, we've talked about this. Heather has a thing for black men, like hundred percent. She's made it very clear that that is what she wants. And this specific event brings quite a few black men to Jen Shah's house. And what I love, can I just say, Jen Shah is the number one wing woman. She went straight up to Curtis and was like, yo, I need you, I need to, you to meet my girl. She thinks you're single, da 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 da. Next thing you know, Heather gets the nod and Heather is in. And can I just say, Heather's game, it was cheesy. But it worked. I loved it. So good, right? So, so good. It was so I mean, good. Heather just knows. Like, I if you know. want it, you got to go for it. Because if you don't, some other bitch will. Yes. And she said that. And you could see that there was, like, another woman. And she called, she said, like, another cougar. Because, obviously, Curtis, this beautiful man, was a, a little bit younger but the way she devoured, like, this lioness saw her prey and went in for the kill. And in not, like, a horrible way, it was, like, it was cute. She was funny. She was making him laugh. Like, he wasn't uncomfortable. Like, I don't know. I In that moment, I didn't know. I just did not know that I could love Heather anymore. And in that moment, I... Oh, I love Heather. I love her. I love her. I yeah, love her. Yeah, look, she, like, you're on point with everything you just said. She went in for the kill. She took her prey. Um, she she is, oh, oh, like, love it. I wish I could do that. I just, I could never. Yeah, like, it was, I know that we often, particularly, like, on New York, we see the women flirting oh. with younger men or flirting with men. And... Exactly. The way you just said, ugh, like it's always gross the way like Ramona or even Sonia or Luann does it. And the way Heather did it, I don't know. I was just like, I need to go and rewatch the episode and maybe take she's some notes. She's got game. She's just, she's got game. <laughs> she has game. It was cheesy. And it's always interesting as well because she set it up like she doesn't have game. And then the way she just came in and then she left. And in her confessionals, the way she was just basically like, she was picking up herself. She was like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Queen. She's my number one now. Really? She's my number one Salt Lake City woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still feel like I'm not getting enough of her. I don't know. No, okay. but it's coming. Can't you feel it? Yeah, yeah. It? I don't know. I just... Yeah, there's too much time on Meredith. I'm not. I'm not feeling Meredith anymore. Wow. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it's funny you should say that. I think, like, we're probably going to wrap up real soon. Actually, we should probably wrap up now. I mean, Heather, fabulous. But this is, we close kind of this episode with um, Heather leaving the party. 
with young Curtis and we flash forward to what is coming next week. And I think we're going to see the undoing of Jen Shah and Meredith's friendship. That's going to go down the drain because, again, Jen Shah is spilling tea or, like, spreading rumours and talking things she shouldn't be talking with people she shouldn't be talking to. I really want next week's episode to open with, like, a bit of, like, a blurry lens and candles and, like, (laughs) Heather in bed with his beautiful black man. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all, like, cuddled up. This whole episode, you've just been a thirsty perv. Bring it, Salt Lake City. I'm here for it. Okay. I think I'm going to shift focus. (laughs) But I guess, like, in next week's episode, uh, we learn that uh, Jen is going to spill a little bit more tea that Meredith is potentially actually dating other people who aren't Seth, which is not what she told us a few weeks ago. And Whitney is like, well, we need to know. She needs to tell us. And the iconic line that we'd seen in the trailer where Jen says, well, if you're not getting it home, you're obviously getting it somewhere else. We had all thought that was about Seth. But turns out it's probably about Meredith. Uh, well, I mean, I thought it was more about, like, you know, cheating in a relationship. But now that I know that they are, like, separated, I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, let separated. her have sex with whoever she wants. No, but the thing is that she she was saying that she was just dating Seth. And so potentially there is somebody else, which is the reason why her and Seth aren't able to get it together. I want that juicy Well, tea. it's coming for you, Moshi, next week. As will the podcast. <laughs> it's all coming for us. Um, so it is Jesus's birthday I'm next week. Jesus. Yeah. So um, I'll be interested to see what episodes we do actually get this week. Um, we might the pod might probably possibly be a bit late. I don't know. Depends what we're doing, celebrating with our families. But yeah, this is our last episode before we head into the holidays the real holiday season so to all the people who have listened the the five of you our mothers our cousins our sisters our friends thank you so much for listening to these first few episodes of the podcast we really enjoyed getting all of your feedback um we're slowly slowly opening up our lives on the socials you can find us on instagram at from uh the from the lower level pod um and we just love to hear from you tell us what you're you can send us dms there tell us what you're enjoying about the podcast what you'd like to hear more of what isn't really working we are we are all about feedback yeah, honey. just thank you for not reporting yes Yes, we have still not received any cease and desist. I feel it's because they don't know how to find us, which is good, because we are in the lower level. We are hunkered down. We are in the bunker. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much to everybody who's listened so far. We're really enjoying – I know we're enjoying doing this um, together and just talking the loves of our lives, these housewives. Yes, Moshi, as always, you are an icon. You are the moment. Thank you for joining me. Patrizio, you are an icon. You are the moment. You are even the word on oh, the street. Oh, the word on the street, honey. <laughs> and on that note, enjoy Bye. the rest of your day. <laughs>